Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We're talking about success. What is success? Are Christians supposed to be successful? What do you think of when I say the word success? You may be surprised to know that the word success and the idea of success runs throughout the Bible a lot more than we think. We as Christians have overreacted to certain wrong teachings, and we've also got some wrong teachings, and so often we think we're not supposed to succeed. The Christians are supposed to fail, be doormats. Uh, we don't even know what are the rules of success sometimes, but actually the Bible is full of instruction and help so that we know how to succeed, we know what success is, and God says He's going to help us to do it. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at success. And I believe it's going to surprise you, but also help you. Because if you know what you're supposed to be doing, how you're supposed to be doing it, and whose help you can get, everything changes. Imagine a group of runners lined up on the start line of a 100-meter race, athletics race. And they're all ready to go. They're pumped up with adrenaline. They are focused on the, the lane in front of them and the line at the end of the lane. And they're waiting for the starter's gun to say, go. Now, there are five possible definitions of success. For one of them, it's achievement. He says, I want to run this race in less than 10 seconds. He's got a, a number in his mind. There is a, a, a goal that he is trying to achieve. For another one, it's, I want to gain as much money as I can. For another one, it's, I want to beat the other people lining up with me. For another one, it's, I want to stand and get the recognition when they play my national anthem and they say how great I am. And for the fifth one, it's a feeling of success. It's an internal feeling. I want to feel that I've done my best and I've, I've achieved what I wanted to do. Those are the five definitions of success. Achieving a goal accumulating things, beating other people, getting recognition, and having a feeling of success or fulfillment. Those are the five worldly definitions of success. But the Bible talks about an extra type of success, God's type of success, called good success. Let's read in Joshua chapter 1. He says, Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. This is God talking to Joshua as he's about to go into the promised land. He's like the runner on the starting line of the race. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So he's saying there are some rules and guidelines that you must follow. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. And that's an unusual word, prosper. It's not the normal word, prosper. It's a word that is sometimes defined as success. It occurs in the next verse as well. It's sometimes also uh, translated as wise or wisdom. He says that you may prosper or succeed wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night out of your mouth and meditate in your mind and your emotions and your imagination. This book of the law, the word of God is not just a rule guideline, but actually a power source. This book of the law shall be in your mouth and meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Good success, not just worldly success, but good success. So worldly success is those five measures of success, but good success or God success includes those five. You'll be surprised to know, and I'm going to show you today, that the Bible does not exclude those five, but it just adds context and adds a bigger picture and, and a greater understanding to those five. God doesn't take away from them. He adds to them. It's a bit like that runner in the 100 meter race suddenly gets a, a panned out view of his race and he realizes the finish line is not just at the end of the 100 meters, but there is a whole lot more that is involved in me winning, not just running fast or beating others, but there is a bigger context and that plus that makes good success. So what is good success? Before I get into that, I must just address the elephant in the room, the word prosperous in this verse. Now, there about uh, 50 years ago, the idea of prosperity teaching came into being. Now, the word prosperity and prosperous is right throughout the Bible. You probably know Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. There are so many verses and so people started preaching on it. But then a few people took it to an unnatural and a wrong extreme. And they emphasized a few points, three points, which I'm going to share with you today. And because of that, the rest of the body of Christ threw the baby out with the bathwater. Have you heard of that phrase? Throwing the baby out with the bathwater? You know where it comes from? In the Middle Ages, in England, there was a big bucket of water that people would bath in maybe once a week. And because the whole family had to bath in the one bucket of water, everyone would bath and the baby would be the last one to get bathed. And sometimes there was a risk that the water was so grimy and dirty after everyone had bathed that you throw the water out and you don't realize the baby's in there as well. The idea of us as Christians throwing the baby out with the bathwater is this. We can throw out all of the good, correct teachings about prosperity in the Bible just because a few people have misused it. And I want to show you that we don't need to do that. But we need to look at this if we're looking at this idea of success. So the errors in the prosperity teaching. Number one, they emphasize greed. They appeal to greed and they say, Love God, serve God, believe in God so that you can get rich. They appeal to greed. That is the error. The correct teaching is we love and serve God because he's good and because he's God and not because of what we can get out of him. But he does want to bless us. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God because those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God is a rewarder. He really is. And he wants to bless us. That It's all the way through the Bible. But we have somehow, because we're reacting against a greed message, we think, oh, God doesn't want to bless us. That's the first error. The second error of the prosperity teaching was making it formula-based instead of relationship-based. They said, if you will just do these things or say these things in this correct way, if you will follow these points and principles, 
then you will get rich. And they got many of the points from the Bible, but they took away the person behind the Bible, God himself. You know, our Christianity is a relationship. It's not a set of rules and principles. It's about God and loving him and his dear son, whom he sent to die for us. It's about a relationship. Um, let me use another parable. In, in Luke, Jesus tells a parable about two sons. And the one son is the prodigal son. He runs away from his dad, takes all his dad's uh, inheritance, runs away. And then he comes back and he apologizes. He says, Dad, I'm so sorry. I really messed up. The other son hasn't left the home, but he's left relationally because he thinks it's about rules. And he says to his dad, I've always been here doing everything you told me to do. I've never messed up. I've followed all the rules. And look, you forgave this son, even though he was bad. He didn't follow the rules. You see, the both sons left the father. The one left physically, but he returned and was forgiven. The other one left emotionally, and he thought his relationship with his father was a business arrangement of obeying rules. So that's the second error of the prosperity teaching. They say it's a formula or a principle-based thing. If you will just say these words, do these things, give this amount, then ka-ching like a, like a slot machine. If you do the right things and put in the right coins, you'll get the right result of money and blessing out. And that's not at all what the Bible says. And then uh, the last error is that they, they say or they imply that God's main goal for you is to make you rich. That, that's his highest aim. And this is kind of what my talk today is about. The world says success is X, whatever it is for you. What is it? Is it a big bank account? Is it a happy family with your kids all successful and married and, and living good lives? What is success for you? Is it a, a, a top office in your corporation? Is it getting adulation from people and friends? Is it a wonderful obituary in the newspaper on the day you die? What is success for you? The prosperity error teachers say that the top level of success is money and well-being in this life. And actually the Bible says, no, there's another level called good success. The race is not just 100 meters. It's much bigger. It includes the whole stadium. It includes God looking from heaven. It includes your whole life and eternity afterwards. L open your eyes and see bigger than just the little hundred meters ahead of you. And there is just one other point in this prosperity thing that I need to bring up. If you have a view of God and his sovereignty that says that everything that happens is controlled by God, or God is behind it and God is smiling on every single thing that happens, then you will misunderstand the teachings about success and prosperity. You see, some people say everything that happens is God's plan and his will, and he's happy with it, every single thing. Meanwhile, the Bible mentions again and again throughout the Bible things that made God unhappy, where he wasn't pleased, where he said, this is not my will. In Jeremiah, three times he says, you people have been sacrificing your children in the fire to an idol called Molech. This was something I never commanded, I never wanted, and it never even entered my mind that you would do it, God says, three times in Jeremiah. And there are so many verses where God shows 
that not everything that happens is his will. Why? Because he has given, he has delegated us the free will. Adam and Eve were not forced to avoid the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of good and evil. God allowed them to make that mistake, even though he didn't want them to, because he allows us to choose. And throughout the Bible, choices are made. Now, why is this important? Because if you believe everything is controlled by God, then when someone is prosperous, you will say, God is blessing them. And when someone is sick or poor, you will say, God is not blessing them. And that is not true. All the way through the Bible, people were blessed who were godly, but people were blessed who were not godly. The book of Ecclesiastes shows that and Proverbs. All through the Bible, people were blessed by God, but they sacrificed and gave it up in order to achieve good success, a higher level of success. God blessed them with finances, with power, with all the measures of success. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I will spend and be spent for your souls. He's saying there's a higher level of success. It's not just money. I will give away all my money. John Wesley, the great preacher, said, get as much money as you can, but then give away as much money as you can for the gospel. That is the plan of God. Is it not to say a successful person in the world's eyes is blessed by God and an unsuccessful person is cursed by God? That's not the message of the Bible. But you'll get that understanding if you think that God is controlling everything. And yet the Bible shows again and again. Uh, the disciples came to Jesus. They said, this man who was born blind, was it because he sinned or his parents sinned? They thought everything that happens is because of a, a good or a bad deed and God is controlling everything. And Jesus said, neither, neither. Um, there was a time when Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He says, do you remember those people who were killed when they were making sacrifices? Were they worse sinners than everyone else? Or do you remember those people who were killed when that tower fell on them? Were they worse sinners than everyone else? No, they weren't. Because God is not controlling every little thing. There is human free will. The world has gone off track because the devil is involved and we have sinned. But God will make it right at the end. The millennium when Jesus rules, he will bring in justice and then judgment day. And things will be made right. But for now, if we think success in a worldly point of view is a... Is a stamp of God's approval. Always we get it wrong. And we also get it wrong if we think God does not want us to succeed. So I've shown you a lot of things that we don't want to think. But let me just prove to you a couple of things now. First of all, I made a list of verses quickly. It took me about half an hour to make a list of verses where God says he wants to bless us and he wants to give us success in this world. And you may have thought, you may have reacted against prosperity teaching by think God, thinking God does not want us to succeed. I want to read you just a handful of those verses. I don't have time to read them all, but I'm going to read you just a few quickly. Leviticus 26, if you walk in my statues and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land will, shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall, bear their, shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. That's God saying he wants to bless us. 
He is called the Lord who heals us. And he tells us again and again that he wants to heal us. In the passage in Joshua we just read, he says, you will have good success. You will be prosperous. Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord your God swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or the left to go after other gods to serve them. Quickly, a few other verses. Psalm 34. Uh, Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Psalm 35. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of a servant. Psalm 37. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Psalm 68. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. There are so many. I'm just going to quickly go to some of them. Matthew 7. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Luke 6. Given it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 2 Corinthians 9. This I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving to God. Philippians 4, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And 3 John 1 verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Friends, it is a consistent, consistent theme. If you look on our website at the notes of this sermon, you will see 71 verses of God's promise and his desire to make you succeed. 
But good success, and now I want to close with this, good success takes worldly success and adds context and adds a bigger view and adds a bigger goal line to it. And that is heaven and us getting to heaven and getting others to heaven. Let me just read you a couple of these verses that will explain this to you. Jeremiah 9, verse 23, thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. So he says, these are worldly measures of success, and you may have them. We've seen that God wants you to have them. But that's not what you glory in. That's not the finish line. That's not success. That's partial success. Good success is this. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, God says, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. This is God's plan, that we know him, that we have a bigger concept of what success is. Knowing him is the most important thing and helping others to know him. If I get worldly success, recognition, fame, being better than others, having a higher position, having wealth and all these different accolades, and then I use them to help me get to know God better and to help others get to know God better, that is success. And Paul says, I will spend and be spent. In other words, I'll get rid of all these worldly things that seem successful for the bigger goal of knowing God and helping others to know him. Jesus was talking about money in Luke 16 and in verse 11 he says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Just before that he said, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you've been faithful in unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to your trust true riches. Jesus was saying, success, yes, riches, but that's the least. There is true riches, which is knowing God, helping others to know Him. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, don't worry about food or drink or clothing. The rest of the world run after those as measures of success, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you as well. Good success is normal success, with a bigger context and a bigger finish line. And sometimes we sacrifice willingly the things that the world says are success for the bigger goal of reaching Christ. You know, I've read so many wonderful biographies of Christians, especially missionaries in the past. There was uh, a man called C.T. Studd, who was a great cricketer in England, amazing guy, and he was wealthy. Uh, he really played cricket for England in, in such a good way that he, he was a hero in the world's eyes. He came from a good family in England and he gave it all up and he went to be a missionary in Africa. He sacrificed his health. Uh, he paid a huge price. He gave away his wealth. And somebody said to him, why, why do you do this? He's, uh, and he said um, that it's, it's all for Christ. It's all for Christ. He was, he was looking for a greater success. Jim Elliott was a missionary who went down into South America to an unreached tribe to bring them the gospel. He was wealthy in America, and he went down there with a few of his friends, uh, and he was killed 
He gave up his life. He gave up so much of what the world says is success. And he wrote in his diary, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And there are many stories like that. David Livingston, there are so many of the great heroes who have shown us this path. Even Jesus, he had everything in heaven. He gave it up. He became a lowly human. He sacrificed his life so that he could gain greater wealth, which is success forever. Friends, the finish line on this earth is not the only finish line. If you think that this earth is all there is, then you will just try and accumulate. You will try and push others down. You will try and get as much as you can. And that is not God's plan. He says, I want to bless you with those things, but only if you understand the bigger good success, which is knowing me, which is reaching others, which is building for eternity. You know, in 2 Peter chapter 3, it talks about the end of the world. And it says that everything will be burned up and dissolved. Let me just read it to you. And he says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Everything, all our money, all of our positions, and our works, all the things we've done on this earth for for earthly success will be dissolved, burnt up, and taken away. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. What is good success? God wants to bless us, but he wants us to look beyond and say, God, I'm willing to spend and be spent for you, for your glory, to know you better and to help others to know you. Pray with me, Lord Jesus, thank you that you want me to succeed. You want me to have good success. You want me to read your word and understand it and to prosper with a view to blessing you, to getting to know you better, and to help others to know you well. And I thank you, Lord, that you are with me, that you have helped me. I thank you for helping me see today the, the lane that I'm running in, the finish line, and the bigger context. And friend, if you don't know Jesus yet, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you came, you lived, you died for me to be forgiven of my sins. And I confess I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me. Wash me clean, make me brand new, and I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.